out there, and welcome back to Between Two Worlds, a podcast about belief, unbelief, and everything in between. I'm Scott Trout, and here with a part two with my good friend and teacher, Ashlyn Moore. Thanks for coming back. Thank you for having me a second time. Yes. Um, so, Ashley, uh, yeah. we, we didn't get to talk a ton about this in the last one, mm-hmm. but we know each other from improv. Yeah. I... I first moved to Amsterdam about a year and a half ago and wanted to get into the improv scene and um, found Easy Laughs, which is where yeah, you were teaching and often perform. And the thing that I most remember from our class, there's many things, but one of my favorites <laughs> is your uh, opening, your, uh, what is it called? Warm up, the warmer, warm up thing, yeah. um, where we would, <laughs> we would all be standing in a circle and you'd pick a partner that you'd have to follow. Uh-huh. And then Ashley would play uh, some sort of like disco e type uh, song, and we're not supposed to dance. You're just supposed to follow the other. Uh, and but then inevitably someone maybe twitches or itches and squirms, and then and then the squirm is just getting passed all around the circle, and you're just and it's really trying to train you to um, to follow the other and to really be specific. And then it's and and we, we did this for quite some time. But it was always hilarious. You you couldn't help but laugh. At the, we're all just staring at one person, following them, <laughs> and then the weirdest thing starts happening. We're like spasming and jiggling. And mm. um, why do you do that at warm up? Yeah, to me, it's still my favorite warm up. To me, it's everything. Everything that's good about impro is in that warm up. And like, and even as you're explaining it now, it, it, <laughs> You were still a bit incredulous about about the whole thing, but <laughs> like, and I don't know if viewers listening can visualize or what the face, yeah. But and every time you explain it the first time, people people just don't under they go, oh, no, oh, what do you mean? You know, you don't understand. But that's what you're supposed to do because they go, no, it can't be that because we won't be we'll just be standing there doing nothing. Or, or, yeah, yeah. But then the magic of improv is a. Uh, if, if you're just watching other people, paying attention to other people and uh, reacting to what they're doing and not trying to do your own thing, then things will always happen because humans, yeah, humans are always interpreting everything in the, you know, we look at clouds and we think, see things. You look at a person, you interpret all sorts of mental states, you interpret all sorts of things. Yeah. Hmm. And it's, and then because it's, uh, it's, it goes around in sort of a circle. Everyone is looking at a different person. So, and then the last person is looking at the person that the first person is was looking at, basically. Yeah. So, so it's a huge feedback loop. So it just when it's done, when people are actually doing it, sort of uh, what they what the rule says, they, it can only get bigger because you have to keep repeating things. That once something is in there, it can never go out unless someone forgets to do it, to do it. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. And that's basically impro. It's sort of magic in a way that that you know. One of the things in improv is that, in a way, the the group mind is much cleverer and much more interesting than the than any individual person. And individual people are sort of a little bit boring in in a way. And often our our, our physical reactions and what yeah you know, what happens in the in our subconscious and stuff is actually much is much cleverer than the, than the your, your conscious, which is like such a small part of your you know your whole brain. Mm. That's, that's conscience, conscience is like the the you trying to come up with something side of your brain and the subconscious yeah, yeah. is just all like the infinite amount of possibilities exactly. that, that lie underneath. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a fun, it's a fun game. I really like it. 
Oh, I, I loved it. I really yeah. was excited whenever we started doing it. Um, yeah. And, and so what you said, it's all there in that, in that game. What is it about um, the emptying of that conscious self or the trying to, I mean, how, how do you do that in improv? What, what is the, how, how do they, how do they get you there? And why is that important? The turning off of the conscious self. Yeah, I think, uh, why is it, uh, so you want to you want to know why it's important first, or you want to know how you yeah. do it first? Why why is it important? Why why is that even a thing in improv? And then how do you do it? Um, like uh, like a lot of I think skills, you can't consciously think about them. Like you can't consciously play basketball or something. Yeah, but you have to just do it. Mm. You can't con- like, ride a bike. You can't consciously ride a bike. You have to just ride a bike. Yeah, and improv is the same. But because of what improv is, it's like making up theater on the spot making up story, uh, comedy maybe on the spot if that's what you're doing. People really feel like they, they want to try hard to, because they're under pressure, yeah? They don't want to look boring. They, want, they don't want to look dumb. So they try hard to think of something clever. But that's, but that, that never works. You've just got to let go of trying and just say the stuff. Yeah, and it's, it's easy to say this now, but basically every improv lesson is basically just trying to convince you convince you intellectually and then convince your sort of body to just stop editing yourself stop judging the other person just mm. listen and react see the environment listen to everything that's happening and get rid of yeah, get rid of the judgment get rid of any edit judging things coming in get get rid of editing anything going out and just trust that you have so much uh you, know, you have so much life experience no matter how old you are that that, that that's enough because having to think of stuff is really slow as well. And by the time, if, if you're, if you, if you're thinking of things to say and the partner's just, just saying the first thing that comes into their head, then they've said 10 things by the time you, or maybe not said things, but they've done 10 things by the time you've thought of one clever thing. And by then it's too late, you know? Uh, uh, yeah. You've missed all the things that they were, they were doing. Yeah. That, that's like the simple, I could sort of go on, I guess, forever about, about how this works, but that's the basics of it. Hmm. Yeah. And, um, uh, editing. What would be some examples of what that would look like on a personal level? Someone saying, "You go ahead." Yeah, it, it could be as simple as just say you're introducing the other person, and this will literally happen. You go, "Oh, oh, what am I going to call them? I'll call them Betty." Oh no, I won't call them Betty. Uh, yeah, but why? Why not call them Betty? And, and maybe you'll think of a reason why, or maybe you'll think, "Oh, is that a dumb name or not?" But just call them Betty. It doesn't matter, mm-hmm. you know. So that's mm-hmm. the basic example, which happens, or or, or more. More realistic examples might be like someone says, hand me the spatula, and you don't know what a spatula is. So instead of just handing them something, or you think, or you, you go to handle it, go, hang on, is the spatula the thing that the doctor uses to cut, or is it the thing that, but if you're wrong, it's just as funny as right. if you're right, yeah? And, right. But it's far, it's better that you do it like a natural, a quick natural reaction than slowly go, and the audience can see you thinking what's in your hand. And then you hand them the correct thing. Yeah. Hmm. They're like, what was all that about? Trying trying to get it correct. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then a, a lot of stuff as well. A lot of stuff is like people thinking, is this interesting? Is this funny? And they're not doing ideas because they're not interesting. Hmm. And that, that also is really, it's really boring to watch people try to come up with interesting things. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's like the pursuit yeah. to be interesting was what makes it boring. Um, and then obviously, you know, I know this, but I don't know if actually a lot of listeners do, but the number one in- rule of improv, uh, always say yes. Yeah. Um, 
And some of the reasons I'm asking this is because I actually think there's there's quite a beautiful spirituality to improv. Yeah. Um, lessons that can be learned experientially through the work of improv that can lead to uh, life skills and, and life philosophy. So for me, that, that idea of I always say yes. So in improv, um, someone gives you an offer. I look, yeah, it's a dragon. Um, and then the quickest way to kill that scene is to say, that's not a dragon. It's you know just a sparrow. And now our, our universe has come to a grinding halt and we have to, and I'll, I have to redirect to what they have just said. And, uh, and instead they could have said, yeah, it is a dragon. And then they add something to it. Yes. And so they're saying, oh, here's, here's two swords. Let's fight it. And now, now the universe is moving and we're moving. Exactly. Story. Yeah. 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 And I think that's, that's one of the reasons I think improv is attractive to a lot of people. It's, it's not just a, a technique for, for making up theater on the stage. It, it's like a philosophy, which, which is made to do that, but you can apply it more broadly. Hmm. And I think, I think, I mean, of course, in real life, sometimes you do, you don't you can't agree with everything every, everyone you meet says, but I do I do feel like we mostly live in societies and situations where we say no a lot more to things because because we want to keep ourselves safe, which is why when you're on stage doing improv, you say no as well. You want to keep yourself safe. Mm. It's good to be able to just say, oh, should I say no here, or should I should I say yes and just see what happens? Yeah. Mm. Mm. And it seems like maybe this is just my case, but the self-editing is what I can often find myself falling into of like, oh, what should I, I'm the host of this podcast. What should I be saying? And um, and so I love that improv teaches you to make it about the other and just observe what they're giving you, what they're doing, as opposed to always be thinking about what should I be doing. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. I don't know if it's time to ask this now, but uh I was wondering about how, because you are a Christian missionary, yeah, is that, is that correct term? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, and you must have been int- interviewing non-Christians, but I was wondering how you how it goes with your well, being a, a missionary and presenting the face of guess Christianity or the Christianity that you're here and and what you can say and how much do you have to edit? Mm. Uh, we, we were talking a little bit before about mm. about how. Even within like branches of Christianity, people have varying views, and I guess, do you ever feel like, oh, I shouldn't say that because I don't know if would I get in trouble? Like, is like I'm sure if you said, well, I don't think Jesus existed, yeah. people at work would say, hey, okay, what's going on? You know, but, yeah. but maybe there's some some milder versions of, of that. Where, yeah. Do you ever have to? Is that something you have to negotiate? <laughs> oh man, yeah, that's a really good question. Well, and maybe there is something about improv that I've been bringing to this. I I haven't been scripting out. I haven't been trying to go for these amazing, yeah, polished conversations. And especially in the beginning um, with Joey, I mean, it was just like, click record and here we go. Let's see what happens. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so there's some, there's some things that I'm like, I kind of wish that hadn't happened. Um, but I think that's a, a little bit of the beauty of like, this is unscripted, unscripted conversations. And um, yes, yeah, so I really like that. And then some of the more recent episodes, uh, I so part of the podcast is listening and taking in the other person's story. Um, but then I'm also pushing myself to not just be a listener, but also articulate. 
and and this is kind of where the tension comes in yeah. in the part two structure of like saying what I think at times in opposition to what they think. And so in short, uh, I, I mean, I've been getting a lot of pushback um, in at different times um, because I'm balancing an audience of Christians and non-Christians. So mm. kind of inevitably I'm going to offend both. Um, but yeah, as far as my, my beliefs, I mean, I, I do try to hold, I do try to hold my beliefs with an open hand. I mean, it's obviously you have to like still operate off of what you do, what you believe. So I still need to move forward, but I do want to be open. If someone really comes to me um, and really starts to tear down what I believe that I would take that into consideration. Um, So do I self edit? Is that maybe what you're asking? Like, do I kind of have to have a mental check or do I actually go through and edit out certain things? Is that what you're, uh, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't concerned about whether you edited it later, but I'm just thinking how, do, how is it when, when you're talking with that, it's with your right your job as well. And I guess like, there's like a, I don't know if the, if the fact that it's your, in, it's your income, it's your livelihood attached to whether that has any effect on it as well. Yeah. Yeah. These are great questions. I'm, I'm still, small this is too much. To talk about. <laughs> well, I'm still small beans right now that, um, yeah. I don't know. It's still in the realm of like, um, people are listening because they know me and it's like, Oh, yeah. Scott's in a thing. Let's listen to the thing. Yeah. Um, but hypothetically, if it were to get yeah significantly bigger and it's outside the circles that really know me, that could be interesting. And the navigators haven't fully, I don't know, caught on to like, like in my circles, they, they know what I'm doing, but yeah. I I've kind of thought through the day that maybe the navs would say, Hey, look, if you're going to be talking about the navigators on here, then I don't know, maybe they want more. Uh, say in the content um, okay but legitimately the episode that i just released before casey's it was nice yeah. to have casey on there my brother because he can say things really offensively and then i'd be like whoa casey like what are you doing um but but then recently one of my guests hadil we were talking about um her story and then we talked about race which is quite mm-hmm. interesting she's like she knows a lot more than me and has, has strong opinions so i was really listening and then we talked about women in leadership in the church and she flipped it on me. I was like, oh, let's talk about that. And she's like, yeah, what do you think? I was like, oh, no. Uh, I was really wanting to just be the one asking questions. Uh, because that is a conversation that um, I get real squirmy with what the Bible says and yeah. how my my 21st century mind and how I want to empower women. And I don't want to be the one that's like claimed to be, you know, putting women down or whatever. Um, but the Bible also, as I, as I see it, um, has a certain way of doing things. And so I, I feel like I was kind of like squirming a little bit as I was trying to articulate that. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, uh, I, I'm no, I'm no authority. I'm just a little dude trying to figure things out. And, yeah. and so I still want to put it out there because it's real. It's like, well, if you ask me on this thing, this is where I land, okay. but I could be convinced otherwise. Um, yeah, cool. That's really good. Yeah. 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 I, I was must say, uh, I really appreciate when I started listening, so I didn't know what it would be like. That, like I mentioned before, that I listened to some other Christian podcasts, but you're like very open. You're, you're actually more, more curious about other people's mm. views, but then you're talking about your own as well. But yeah, you, most of the ones I listen to, like they have like their their position that they are, I guess, de- defending or supporting, and 
they, they don't really articulate too much doubts or, or, or the doubts they do articulate are more manicured, you know, like, oh, I did doubt, but now, now I've got the correct answer. Not all of yeah. them, you know, some of them are a bit more flexible. But, yeah. but so I really appreciate that you're you're much more, I think, honest and human about uh, yeah, it's not just a... Hmm. It's not just the theology presenting. You're presenting the human, how it fits into a into a human being. It's really hmm. I appreciate that. Nice. Yeah, I really appreciate that. You know, and I. Okay, so backstory a little bit on. I did a podcast with my friend. Shout out to Dakota. He's kind of the one that got me like interested in podcasting and showed me which mic to get and all this jazz. Um, and it's called Tipsy Sixty, and so we would do a power hour and have intense conversations. So we're, you know, doing like a shot of beer every minute. <laughs> it made for some fun dialogue. Um, and I think, you know, obviously I think some Christians probably would take me to task for that, sure. being on that um, podcast. Uh, but I got, it was me and uh, him and another guy, and they're both atheists. And to some extent, I got ripped to shreds. Like I got torn to pieces. It was very unsettling. And I was just like, Oh man, that sucked. Um, yeah. and I was listening and, and all at the same time I was listening to Sam Harris and wow. Bart, Bart Ehrman. Do you know uh, that? Yeah. yeah, I, 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 I read his things. Yeah. Oh, I mean, he's incredibly smart and yeah. they were also rocking me and I was just like, yeah, okay. I am having an existential crisis right now. And I was really in a lot of cognitive dissonance. Sure. Um, and, um, I mean, it, I think I think it's real that like a huge part of why I believe is because of who I'm surrounded by. So you take me out of my community and um I I could probably be I probably wouldn't be necessarily convinced, but I could be cowed or shamed kind of out of my belief. Someone just like throws a lot of okay, intellectual yeah. rationalism. So, so, yeah. I'll yeah. I'll tell you this, like I got a little crazy story about this after everything I've said. In my uh I think how old was I? I think I was like 21 or something like this. So by this time, I was—I uh, didn't—I didn't believe in any religion. I was—I uh, guess an atheist. Yeah. And um, and I, I think I was pretty rational at that. Yeah, I was very rational at that time, you know, point. Uh, and then I, hang, I started hanging around with a lot of goths, and then, and then, the, and then I started hanging around with a lot of goths that actually believed that vampires were real. Right? It just yeah, and I had different views about what vampires were and all this sort of stuff. And then at first I go, this is crazy, vampires, okay. But I hang around them because, you know, they were nice people. This is just this one thing that they all believe. They didn't all believe it, they all believed it. And I think they all, they had different, you know, like I said, different ideas about what a vampire actually was. Some of them were like, yeah, it was like a someone who drinks your blood. And other, others had like more, it was just like a person who can sap your energy or something. Anyway. Huh. And so after like hanging out with them for like six months, I was like, I just remember thinking, oh yeah, vampire, I suppose vampires could be real. And it's just, and it's not that like I had I had to from being around them or they never asked me about it. It's just that being in a group where it's it's like this, it's like a base assumption or something that mm. that's just how humans are. You just you just you just take it on board. Mm. And then I think a day later I thought, hey, what the hell? No, <laughs> there's no way vampires are real. And I sort of snapped out of it. But that's just because it's one, the sort of person I am, I guess, maybe more intellectual or something. And um and to it, it's a very small. There's not that many people in where I live. It's not like on the television they're talking about. It's just like this four people I knew. Yeah. yeah but if you yeah. lived, yeah, like so. It, 
it, all I'm saying is it, it's it's not like you have to be browbeaten into a belief. It's just that if it's always out there, it's just it's it's in the realm of things that you can accept without having to think about too much. And, mm-hmm. and I'm sure I have millions of them, as, of course, now as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I live in a I live in a different situation now. Yeah, well, I'm always like, curious to find them. <laughs> it's the plausibility thing, like where um, you you kind of say, "Oh, I would never believe that," or "That's ridiculous," but then somebody you trust believes it, and then you're like, "Huh." starts to become a lot more plausible well uh ashley we'll end our part there for all you out there between two worlds podcast about belief unbelief and everything in between thank you for listening